Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And on your screen once again is the logo for everyone's favorite social media micro-platform, Twitter. Which continues to be in the news because, well, frankly, they're tied to Elon Musk at this point and Elon Musk is a news machine. If you haven't been following this story about Elon Musk's pending, question mark, buyout of Twitter, please do check out our playlist on that very same topic. We've covered it from a number of different angles, culminating today, at least for now, in a tweet put out by Mr. Elon Musk about two hours ago that says the following, Twitter deal temporarily on hold, pending details, supporting calculation that spam slash fake accounts do indeed represent less than 5% of users. Now, there's a whole bunch of ways to take a tweet like that, but it appears, if we're giving the benefit of the doubt, that Elon Musk is concerned about a large portion of the users on Twitter being represented by spam, fake, bot accounts, and wants to do his due diligence and confirm that it isn't more than 5%. Now, this is a very odd tweet, and I'm going to talk to you about why. I'm going to talk to you about why I think he might be making it, but the one oddness that jumps out at you is that he links to this Reuters article, and this Reuters article was written 11 days ago, May 2nd, 2022, and it's headlined, Twitter estimates spam fake accounts comprise less than 5% of users in a filing. Now, this is an odd headline in and of itself, because if we go and we look at the filing that they made on May 2nd, we see the following. This is their quarterly report. Twitter and every public company in the United States has to make certain reports to the SEC so that everyone knows publicly various aspects of their business. And in this report, they say a couple of things. One, they say, first of all, that they are looking at their monetizable daily active users, their MDAU, when they talk about a lot of the stats that they're putting forth in this document. They define that so that people who read it can understand what it means. And then a page later, they say the following. The numbers of MDAU presented in this quarterly report on Form 10-Q are based on internal company data. While these numbers are based on what we believe to be reasonable estimates for the applicable period of measurement, there are inherent challenges in measuring usage and engagement across our large number of total accounts around the world. Furthermore, our metrics may be impacted by our information quality efforts, which are our overall efforts to reduce malicious activity on the service, inclusive of spam, malicious automation, and fake accounts. For example, there are a number of false or spam accounts in existence on our platform. We have performed an internal review of a sample of accounts and estimate that the average of false or spam accounts during the first quarter of 2022 represented fewer than 5% of our MDAU during the quarter. Now, this is actually just in their note about metrics section of the document, and I believe it is what Reuters is referring to when they headline Twitter estimates spam fake accounts comprise less than 5% of users. That said, what's odd about this sequence of events from Elon Musk is first, he announces that the deal is on hold, which is entirely unnecessary, right? He's signed a deal with Twitter. It is normal after that deal is signed to continue due diligence processes, to look at various aspects of the company, to evaluate them, and to negotiate slash discuss those aspects with the acquiring company and the acquisition target. So that's a normal process. You don't actually have to say it's on hold. You don't have to put it on hold. This is a very weird communication to put into the public markets that is suggestive of someone 
that is looking to back out or lower the price of what he is otherwise pledged to purchase. Now, we know Elon Musk is already under investigation for perhaps not announcing that he had purchased the shares in Twitter on the time frame that he was supposed to. The SEC and Elon Musk have a long history of not getting along on the things that are required of someone making public statements or buying into the public stock markets. And this would continue that trend, I would argue, because it doesn't really make a lot of sense to react to an article from 11 days ago and to react to an article from 11 days ago that takes a bit of this language from their quarterly statement that is, I'm sorry to tell you, mirrored in prior Twitter statements. Here is from their prior report. The numbers of MDAU presented in our earnings materials are based on internal company data. While these numbers are based on what we believe to be reasonable estimates for the applicable period of measurement, there are inherent challenges in measuring usage and engagement across our large number of total accounts around the world. We have performed an internal review of a sample of accounts and estimate that the average of false or spam accounts during the fourth quarter of 2021, this is the immediately prior report, represented fewer than 5% of our MDAU during the quarter. This is what Twitter says. Twitter goes and says every time it would seem that we've looked at our MDAU, it might be inflated by these numbers. Our internal review suggests it's less than 5%, and it's not news to Reuters 11 days ago, and it's not news to anybody following Twitter for any period of time, at least... I didn't go through every single quarterly report that Twitter has made, at least for the last three months, and I'd be willing to bet it's longer. So with that as our background, you look at a tweet like this from Elon Musk, and that's how you get the thumbnail that I gave you, which is, is Elon Musk just messing around? He has billions upon billions of dollars. Is he really just messing around with this Twitter purchase? And what does it mean for the agreement itself. Is this actually likely to go forward now? I would tell you no, because once something like this goes out, it seems pretty problematic for the relationship between Elon and Twitter. But also I've been wrong on a lot of my guesses as to what Elon Musk will do on any given moment in time. So he might be the one place where I can't give you a great idea for what will happen next. What I can tell you is this appears to be a shot across the bow at Twitter and one designed to allow him to potentially back out of the agreement without jeopardizing a billion dollars, right? If anybody forgot, I did a video on this where we read through the merger agreement and the ancillary documents there too, and it was discovered that Twitter is owed a billion dollars if the deal gets terminated in certain ways, and Elon Musk has personally guaranteed that billion dollar payment pretty much entirely. It's got some normal legal ease in that document, but it's pretty much an unconditional kind of guarantee. And so if Elon Musk were to just back out for no reason, for instance, that might well wind up with him owing a billion dollars out of pocket to Twitter. But the only way we can be sure on things like that and to understand better what we're seeing this morning is to look at the agreement itself. So as we talked about before, if we look at just the highlights uh, to this agreement, we see how these penalty payments are put forth in the summary document. It says, upon termination of the merger agreement, under specified limited circumstances, Twitter will be required to pay parent a termination fee of $1 billion. Parent here is Elon Musk. Uh, Elon Musk is using a uh, parent subsidiary framework. So the company that's actually purchasing Twitter is called parent in this document. Specifically, this termination fee is payable by Twitter to parent because one, Twitter terminates the merger agreement to allow Twitter to enter into a definitive agreement for a competing proposal, or two, 
Parent terminates the merger agreement because the board recommends that Twitter stockholders vote against the adoption of the merger agreement in favor of a competing proposal. The termination fee will also be payable by Twitter to parent in the event that generally a competing acquisition proposal for 50 more percent of the stock or assets of Twitter has been publicly announced. The merger agreement is terminated because Twitter stockholders failed to adopt it. And within 12 months of such termination of the merger agreement, Twitter enters into that definitive agreement. So every reason that is discussed here, why Twitter might owe Elon Musk money is that someone else comes in, offers to purchase the company, and they go in that direction. And all of this legal ease is talking about different ways that that could happen. But ultimately, it's when somebody swoops in and steals the company out from Elon Musk, Twitter owes Elon a billion dollars. Elon's billion dollars is predicated on a different set of facts. Upon termination of the merger agreement under other specified limited circumstances, Parent will be required to pay Twitter a termination fee of $1 billion. Specifically, this termination fee is payable by Parent to Twitter if the merger agreement is terminated by Twitter because one, the conditions to parents and acquisition subs obligations to consummate the merger are satisfied and the parent then fails to consummate the merger as required. So in other words, hey, you sign this deal up. This is now a lot of legal work, a lot of logistical work. We're going to be moving parts around to get this deal done. And if all the conditions are met and then Elon looks at it and says, nah, Elon owes a billion dollars to Twitter or where parent or acquisition subs breaches of its representations, warranties, or covenants are in a manner that would cause the related closing conditions to not be satisfied. So if they arrive at closing and Elon Musk refuses, he owes a billion dollars, or this is probably the key here, they breach their obligations. They don't get their money set. They don't do whatever else they are supposed to do to get things ready for the deal to be done, or they've otherwise said something in the agreement that is a lie. Uh, then then t- Elon owes a billion dollars to Twitter. And then it says Mr. Musk has provided Twitter with a guarantee on that billion dollars. Now, that's just a summary. And as you've probably noted, if you've been in virtual reality with me for a while, we don't get specifics entirely, right? Under specified limited circumstances, under specified limited circumstances. So we can actually go to the section itself. Here we are, Article 8, Termination, Amendment, and Waiver. As you can see on the top of your screen, we're on page 75 of 95 in this file document. This is very hard for most people to get through. I don't blame you. That's why we're zipping around this document. But here we can see when a party has the right to terminate the agreement, right? This agreement may be terminated as follows. A, by mutual written agreement of each of the party in the company. And this is almost always the case, right? The parties can agree to terminate the agreement. We're not bound together until death. If we both don't want to do this, we can agree, hey, let's just put that aside. Let's get out of this. Additionally, it can be terminated by either party if the merger hasn't been completed by October 24th, 2022, about six months from when it was first announced, with the possibility of extending it if the only concern at that point in time is regulator approval. Then you have some governmental authority language, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have sections that describe when the company can get out of this, that's Twitter, and when the parent can get out of this, that's Elon. And again, because they could always do it themselves together, these are instances where the other party doesn't necessarily want to terminate. So Twitter can terminate, most prominently here for purposes of this conversation, if Elon Musk's companies shall have breached and didn't cure that breach. So they didn't follow through with the representations, warranties, or covenants, that's promises, in the agreement. And as you might expect, because that's what they promised to do, if they're breaching that, Twitter can say, all right, to hell with you, we're getting out 
of this deal. The other way that we saw summarized above is the failure to consummate the merger once the conditions have been met. We look at these as lawyers as section 8.1C1 and C3. And I'm referencing those now, not to just throw section references at you, but those will come up again when we look at the penalty provisions. In respect of section D here, we can see that Elon can terminate the agreement if the company shall have breached or failed to perform any of its representations, warranties, covenants, or other agreements. And that failure to breach or perform would give rise to a failure of any condition in section 7.2A or 7.2B. And it is not capable of being cured effectively by the termination date. Cure means fixed, right? That's legalese for fixed. 7.2A and 7.2B are effectively provisions in this agreement that say the reps are true, the covenants have been fulfilled, that what this says is Elon Musk can terminate this agreement if something is blocking Twitter from being able to say all of the representations that it has made are true or otherwise fulfilling its obligations under the agreement. And with that as our backdrop, we can see the termination fee section and how it works. So in the event that a third party shall have made a competing proposal and the agreement is terminated pursuant to one of those competing proposal provisions, the company shall pay the termination fee to Elon. That's easy enough and that matches our summary highlights. I'm skipping, of course, a bunch of the legalese here. In the alternative, in the event that the agreement is terminated by the company pursuant to section 8.1C1 or section 8.1C3, so this is breach of reps and warranties, and C3 is failure to consummate when everything else has been met, parent shall pay the parent termination fee, the billion dollars to Twitter. So what becomes very important in all of this is can you establish, can you show if you are Elon Musk that maybe there's something wrong with the representations and warranties that the company has put forth, right? Because if you can find yourself in D1, you don't owe anybody a billion dollars. Now, it's worthwhile to note that Twitter doesn't owe you a billion dollars, right? Twitter only owes a billion dollars to you if there's a, some kind of concept with a competing proposal. But if you're Elon Musk and you're having second thoughts, or maybe you never intended to buy Twitter in the first place, one of your mission statements is, okay, let's find something that is at least plausible as suggesting that the company has breached its reps and warranties or its covenants to me. And then we find ourselves in section four. So in section four, Twitter makes a number of promises about its company to Elon Musk. All of this is pretty market standard. All of this should be expected. But among these things that it promises are the following. In respect of its financial statements, none of the company SEC documents at the time it was filed or if amended or supplemented as of the date of that amendment or supplement contained, and this is magic language we've talked about in virtual legality before, any untrue statement of a material fact, so that's a lie, or omitted to state any material fact required to be stated therein, or necessary to make the statements therein in light of the circumstances under which they were made or are to be made, not misleading. Lawyers make great sentences, don't we? So it's basically, you can't have a direct lie in what you said, and you can't have a lie by omission in what you said. Lie by omission here, meaning that, hey, you were supposed to say something in the SEC documents, you failed to do that, or you said what you were supposed to say in the SEC documents, but every reasonable person would have looked at those and said, well, we also would have known, we also would have wanted to know fact X in order to understand better the position that you have as a company. Similarly, with respect to proxy statements, because we actually have to go out as Twitter and ask our shareholders to approve this deal, 
None of the information supplied or to be supplied by or on behalf of the company or any of its subsidiaries expressly for inclusion or incorporation by reference in the proxy statement shall at the time the proxy statement is first mailed to the company's stockholders uh, contain any untrue statement of material fact or lie by omission, as we said before. So the issue here, as we've seen in articles that have gone around the internet, is did Twitter lie in prior statements or to Elon Musk or in respect of information that it intends to supply in proxy about the number of users and the user acquisition and the people that actually operate Twitter have in connection with their company? We've seen articles around the internet about this particular topic. Looking at this Verge article, for instance, Twitter miscounted its daily users for three years straight. How did this happen twice? In the first paragraph of this article, Twitter overstated the number of daily users on its service for three years straight, overcounting by up to 1.9 million users each quarter. The error was due to Twitter inadvertently counting multiple accounts as active when they were all tied to a single user, even if they weren't all in use. These incorrect usage numbers were given for quarter one, 2019, through quarter four, 2021, usage numbers that would have appeared in those financial filings. So if you're looking to get out of an agreement like this, it is possible that you could argue this kind of thing. Now you'll note here that this is only since January 1st, 2022. And for the most part, Elon Musk should have been incorporating these kinds of concepts and these kinds of articles already into his understanding of the company. But it certainly looked bad for Twitter, and it could be seen as something that is a material fact that was misstated in some way or another. Similarly, in respect of kind of umbrella representations and promises that Twitter has made to Elon Musk, you see since January 1st, 2022, there has been no, there, there has not been any adverse change, event, development, or state of circumstances that, that has had a capitalized term, company material adverse effect. Now, this is in almost every agreement, but basically it says that since a certain date, there hasn't been some major thing that has happened to your company that could cause trouble. Now, this is a big defined term, so we're not going to go through every word of it. But if we go to the definition section of this agreement, we see that a company material adverse effect means any change, event, effect, or circumstances which individually or in the aggregate has resulted in or would reasonably be expected to result in a material adverse effect. You love lawyers, right? We define it as a material adverse effect is a material adverse effect, but on what? The business financial condition or results of operations of the company and its subsidiaries taken as a whole. We'll talk about the exceptions in just a minute here, but that means that this representation in section four is saying that nothing, no circumstance has happened that would cause a reasonable person to reevaluate the business. Does something like this, does something like Twitter miscounting its daily users mean that there has been a material adverse effect since January? I can't tell you the answer to that. And certainly there might be lawsuits over it if Elon Musk said, I'm stepping out because of problems with you counting your users, which is all the same kind of concept as what is the spam fake accounts number operating at Twitter. So I look at all of this and I say, in light of everything, in light of what that tweet says, I think you are looking at someone that is at least potentially trying to make the case that they should be able to walk away without paying Twitter a billion dollars. Now, it is worth noting that company material adverse effect, even though it's very simply stated as a material adverse effect on the business of the company, does not include a whole host of things. 
It does not include changes that generally affect all industries, for instance. If there's just a global downturn of the economy, that isn't Twitter's fault. Twitter shouldn't have to lose their deal because of it. If there's a change in the law, it's not Twitter's fault. If there are acts of God, if there's a pandemic, who knows when that'll happen, right? Other things that don't constitute company material adverse effects, the negotiation of the agreement itself, right? You can't say, all right, Elon Musk is now involved in Twitter. Twitter has problems with that. The industries have a problem with that. You can't get out of the deal because it's you that's buying the company. And perhaps most importantly for all of this, you can't just have cold feet or second thoughts if the stock price is affected, right? Eight here. Any changes in the market price or trading volume of the company common stock, any failure by the company or its subsidiaries to meet internal analysts or other earnings estimates or financial projections or forecasts for any period, any changes in credit ratings and any changes in any analyst recommendations or ratings with respect to the company or any of its subsidiaries. Those things that I just read to you, most prominently stock price, do not constitute a company material adverse effect. So even if Elon Musk might be thinking it behind the scenes, he cannot simply go forward and say, wow, the stock price really didn't do what I thought it would do, or even what some are positing, things are happening with Tesla that I don't much like. That is surely not a reason to step out on the Twitter deal. Twitter has no vested interest in what Tesla stock is doing. So Elon Musk coming out at just before 6 a.m. East Coast time with a tweet like this really, to my mind, calls into question the entire process because this doesn't have to go out public if you're looking at, hey, are you guys overstating your users? You do this behind the scenes. You continue to move forward with the deal. Temporarily putting it on hold puts the market on notice, puts Twitter on notice, and quite frankly, uh, is a confounding set of events uh, that I can't tell you how it will end up. What I can tell you, as I just did in this video, is how I read these documents and how I see it as one way that Elon Musk might be trying to step out on this deal while avoiding the pecuniary issues that might otherwise arise were he to just simply walk away. If you enjoy these kinds of conversations, this has been Virtually Gowdy. Please do consider supporting the channel at Utreon. That gets us the most resources if you support the channel or Patreon if you're more familiar with that platform. Uh, Opal Studded Dagger, special thanks for sponsoring this episode of Virtual Legality. I cannot do it without people that support us on Utreon, on Patreon. I'm so very thankful for all the support you have given Opal Studded Dagger for many, many months, as well as the others uh, that support this channel. Thank you so much. And otherwise, if you want to support this channel without going through those, if you don't want to be Opal Studded Dagger, you can just subscribe, tell your friends that we're having conversations like this in virtual legality. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.